Welcome to My Life, Chassidus Applied, episode 302. We've just entered the month of Nisan. The Gemara says Nisan has two nunim, has a nun, a double nun. So Nisan, Nisim, Nasebe. Miracles and miracles and miracles happen in this month. Not just in quantity, but also in quality. It's also the month of Geula, Chedesh Geula is Nisan. The Medrash says, In Nisan we were redeemed 3,332 years ago from Mitzrayim. And in Nisan we will be redeemed. So it's a month, perhaps more like no other month, all about redemption, about miracles. And of course in it we have the special days, Beis and we spoke about this year is 100 years from the Rebbe Rashab, Sistalkus. 1920, 2020, Tofresh Pei, Tof Pei, 100 years from the Friedrich Rebbe, assuming the leadership, the 6th Chabad Rebbe from the 5th Chabad Rebbe, 70 years from the Rebbe's leadership, we're going to be coming to Yud Aleph Nissen soon, the Rebbe's birthday, Yud Gimel Nissen is the Tzemach Tzadik's Yorzeit and Stalkus, and of course Pesach itself. So it's a month that's so rich with everything about living a life that's beyond natural, it's the supernatural the miraculous, the redemptive. And yet here we are, steeped in a historical, unprecedented event that is affecting literally 8 billion people on this planet, every sector of society. It's upended, disrupted, destabilized. Nobody has any idea where we're going. Control, where we thought just a few short weeks ago, we were in control. Everyone knows we're not in control. The paradox is so glaring. And yet, and yet, we as a Jewish people in general, Chassidim specifically, Chassidim Chabad particularly, we were trained for a moment like this, for moments like this. Not that we want it, not that we asked for it, not that we, we, we accept it. But it's a reality where God wants us to be right now. In the language of the Pasuk, that is the night of Pesach. How uncanny is that? And you should not leave this house. You, your family, in this house until the morning. And actually that's the posseg upon which is based the halachas that are deal with Magefa, that deal with an epidemic and a pandemic, which we'll talk about shortly. So the paradox we have seen many times. And what's so powerful about us as the Jewish people, what's powerful is that not only have we endured and survived, we've thrived. Kashayano Esom, yet another Pesach-related verse. Kashayano Esom, as they were oppressed in Mitzrayim and Egypt. In direct proportion, they thrived, they flourished. Yirbe and Yifritz, not just one language. I've been reading articles how a cataclysmic event, we have to look back at the ancient Hebrews, one secular writer writes, how their cataclysm turned them into a great nation. One tremendous creative moment. A new stage in enlightenment, a new stage in history, referring to the Jewish people coming out of Mitzrayim. So we don't compare challenges and cataclysms, but this clearly is a disruptive one in a serious way. Maybe not quite like a world war, but still it's taken lives. 
And there are people right now in danger. And as such, let me just say, I want to dedicate this program and all our programs and all our special programs that we've been creating, empowering resources for this time, to, uh, for a total refor shleim of a crave, a total healing and recovery, completely, as if it never happened to all those that are in need of that. And families should have the strength to get through this. God should protect us all, whoever we may be, wherever we may be, and whoever you may be. And we should come out stronger, thrive and flourish. Because at the end of the day, we don't control events around us, but we control our attitude. And we control what we can do. And we can rise to the occasion. We can see ourselves as serving the moment. We can see ourselves increasing in love, demonstrating courage. Because events like this bring out, unfortunately, sometimes the worst, but the best in people. And we were trained, when I say we, I speak especially for the Jewish people, especially Chassidim. We were trained. This is what we're here, not to cower in fear, not to retreat. We need to be prudent and practical, but to rise to the occasion and demonstrate that when the entire world around us has been disrupted, we have inner resources. The neshama shines stronger than ever. Socially distant, but soulfully close. Closer than ever. Soulfully united. The Alter Rebbe says in Tanya, chapter 32, that the body's love, all of love is based on one principle, transcendence. Our bodies are separate. Gufa Michalokis. Different places, different locations. Even when we were congregating, we were still separate entities. Now we're told to be separate, actually separate because of the virus and its contagious nature. We want to contain it. So we're quarantined, sequestered, whatever the word is. But neshama-wise souls, closer than ever. Look how many Zoom conferences, classes, online programs, inspirations are emerging from this. People feel when, we, when something is lacking, you start feeling, someone told me the other day, he's desperate just to say hello to the elevator man in his office building. Suddenly realize the things that we just took for granted. So this is an opportunity to create a revolution in Ardus, in unity. As much as we're being separated physically and socially, we have to, in direct proportion, triple, double, triple our unity spiritually. One person, one heart, one soul. And there's so many ways to do it. This is what we were trained to do. And I specifically speak as Chassidus applied. Though there are many questions that I still have backed up, really challenging issues, but I just feel that at a time like this, we're all in this together, and basically taking the cue from the Rebbe, quoting the Rambam, that based sort of when there's a catastrophe that strikes a community, and here it's a community, it's the entire world, and every sector of it, it would be callous, to disregard it and say, Mikra Nikra just happened, let's move on. Even the name of faith. Faith doesn't mean we ignore it. Faith means we stand strong. The same Abishta that says have faith says, now I want you to be sequestered in your home. So here's where we are. So we'll be dedicating this program to more questions that have come in. Many have keep coming in. I mean, I feel honored in one way. I feel blessed, even though I would prefer otherwise, that people are turning to us. This is the time where I feel myself, Meaningful Life Center, our organization, Chassidus Applied, everything, all our resources, to focus them to help us all build strength and courage, inner resources, because that's what we have, that's what we have to turn to.
There's nothing out there that's going to keep you secure. Out there, I mean in the material world. Health-wise, we have to be careful. The economy is in a very fragile place. Travel, all our plans, all human plans. Right now, we are absolutely vulnerable. God leads the footsteps of man. Everybody recognizes that now. I was reading another article, someone writes, the prosperity of the Western world, the success of the general modern world, has created, on one hand, so much success, but they've basically, God has become irrelevant. There's no need for some transcendent force, except, of course, the spirit always needs it, but it was easy to ignore it, to be distracted. We were seduced by our successes and our illusion of control. And now, many, many, and I hear from people on an ongoing basis, people who don't have, have been not built up and fortified their inner resources are finding it especially challenging. Because what do you turn to? You can't escape to your work, to your job. Your job may even be in jeopardy if not been laid off already. Your investments, our plans, our restaurants, sports. Do you know how many people are dependent for the baseball season coming? Theater, entertainment, as I said, travel plans, you name it. All those things we had planned, our calendars, have all stopped. Everything stopped. Indefinitely. So with these inner resources, you turn to another dimension of strength. If God forbid you don't have them, now's the time to build them. And the good news is that it's there, waiting for you. Your soul is alive and kicking. I just started this past week as one of the, one of the programs we started, I think, called Your Daily Spiritual Antidote. It's a three-minute video every day. Exactly that. Bolstering and boosting your psychological and emotional immunity through empowering your soul, recognition of your soul, and accessing its resources, its strengths, its tools to help us in this time. The truth is we always need it. But this material world has a way of hypnotizing us, of seducing us, of making us feel everything is fine. But it's not because it's a fragile world. And now we recognize it. So we'll focus on on many questions that came in, but I want to put a few things into context because a few of you asked. You know, of course, we're coming, this week is, can't ignore the week, this week is, uh, as I said, we're going into the deeper part of Nissan, which means leading up to Pesach. There'll be one more program before that, Yeral of Nissan special next Sunday. But this Shabbos is going to be Shabbos HaGodl and Parshat Tzav. We're also coming from last Thursday was Beis Nissan. Last Friday, I'm sorry was Beis Nissen, 100 years of the Rebbe Rashab's Histalkus and the Friedrich Rebbe's leadership. I spoke about it, but I want to touch upon it as well. And of course, Pesach itself. So there's much to say. It's, 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 everything is divine providence. There are many lessons we can learn from this period in time. And especially for Chassidi Chabad, it's, uh, you have to say, it's quite, um, I don't know what the word, if it's quite bizarre that it's such a special year. I just mentioned 100 years from the Rebbe, the fifth Chabad, the Rebbe is Istalkas. 100 years from the Friedrich Rebbe is assuming leadership. 80 years from when the Friedrich Rebbe came to America. 70 years when the Rebbe assumed leadership. All these milestones. And this year, Tov Shin Pei, 2020, we have this unprecedented event. And I think that's a good place to begin. Unprecedented. Well, there are events in life that have affected large segments of people. 
continents even. Wars, God forbid. Remember 9-11. And in many ways have changed things. But here, there's no person on earth that this is not affecting. Even little children are not aware of it. There's no sector in society that's not impacting. And not just impacting, as I said, it's stopping something's cold. Now, of course, we'd all love this goes away, back to square one, where we, we restarted a month ago. I don't believe that's going to be the case. It all comes down, of course, what we learn from it. We definitely don't want the epidemic to stop and stop the sickness and stop the illnesses and let everybody be well and healthy. But the whole disruption, suddenly a society that was like the train was going a thousand miles an hour, the merry-go-round, the roller coaster, everybody, it's all come, say, to a grounding stop, to a grounding halt, but quite paralyzed in many ways. So you have to say, if an entire world is hearing about this and affecting them, it has to mean a message. There's a message here. Besides the message that we should be more careful and we should, be, we should have anticipated viruses and pandemics and so on, there's a message. This is the foundation of all of Judaism, the foundation of all of Chassidus. As I said, the Rambam. There's a message, there's a lesson. Now, no one is bold enough and no one has the arrogance to say, I know, I'm a prophet, I know exactly what God is planning here. But one message we know for sure is that we have to make even more noise on a positive that drowns out and is more powerful than the negative. So what do we see? We see a certain distancing. We have this quarantine. The immediate answers, as I mentioned, now we have to create more ardus, more unity, more love. We're told that this is the seventh generation. Mashiach is at the, we're at the threshold. Now, I am not going to say that a negative event is a sign of Mashiach. Even if you find some obscure medrash, that's not how we think. It's not the event that happened, it's what we do about it. If this turns into a wake-up call, and it should, and I find it unfathomable, I would find it absolutely unacceptable if we do not use this moment where the world is receptive, people are want, they want to learn, they want to introspection, they want soulful things, to use it as, a globe, as an opportunity to create a global spiritual revolution. Higher consciousness. Literally given on a platter. If you had gone to people a month ago, two months ago, and said, let's sit down and focus on our priorities. What's the most important thing in life? Is it the body or the soul? Is it survival or transcendence? Most people would say, come back to me after the summer, come back to me after next year. We're busy, i got to go to my job. Suddenly we, can, we don't have that answer. We have time. And we can't just run, we can't say I'm going out to dinner, or I'm going to a show, or I have a game to intend. So we have now essentially the attention of millions and billions of souls. How will we do? Those of us, and all of us, because each of us in our own little way has what to give and contribute, to teach. This is the time, perhaps never in history will we ever have such an opportunity. Again, we didn't ask for it and we now want it, but it's here to turn this into a true global revolution of acts of goodness and kindness. In mass, we're talking about a critical mass, billions. What will it do for the morale of people? People know, here's a project I can be involved in, here's a volunteer, here's a social service, 
Here's how I can serve, how I can help. Men, women, children. What will it do for our psyches? For our emotional and spiritual health when we take such a proactive approach. It still doesn't take away. We know there's a pandemic. And we have to do everything from a health perspective. But what would this do? Lately, there's a lot of talk about how gratitude is good for your health. Yes, giving is also good for your health. Especially in a challenging time, the greatest empowering thing is not to feel demoralized and broken and resigned. Look, oh, what's happening? But it's to be proactive and in some way make a difference. These are the choices we have now. And we have to encourage each other. Because at the end of the day, we all have our weak moments. We need to encourage each other. It needs to be a synergy. A grassroots revolution greater than anything. So on their story will be written about 2020. It won't be just that there was a pandemic called coronavirus. COVID-19. The story will also be that a human race rose to an occasion, occasion and created a swell, a groundswell of goodness and kindness and love and unity and sensitivity and refinement never seen before in all of history. That should be the headline. Two headlines. Coronavirus and the human response. This is what Teirach Siddis demands of us. No question in my mind. And I'm not saying it just as lines. I've been doing exactly that. Not tooting my horn here just to share with you. Trying to create programs. But you know we all need to do it together. We need it to turn into literally a global movement. A ripple effect that yes affects the critical mass. A tipping point where everybody is involved. And everybody in their own way. We're not dictating. No one's telling anyone how to do or what to do. So, my friends, if you want to be part of this, you should be. Let's partner. Send me any suggestions. Let's find a place, create a forum where we can put our heads together. It could be small projects, big project, community, small community at home, with your children involved, creative ideas. But all toward what? To making the human race live up to its highest possible standard. That's what this time is about. A few months ago, we also wanted it, but it was very hard because everybody was busy. Busy, busy, busy. That, those security blankets and comfort zones are right now not there. So now's the time. We're naked, we're vulnerable. What makes us humans, our souls, is now exposed. So let's do what we have to do. That's the overall message. And essentially, it's the message of Pesach. Since Pesach is coming, one of the questions people, someone asked is, what lessons do we learn from Pesach about the coronavirus? Well, the first lesson is that. What did the Jewish people do with their disaster and their catastrophe? They became greater people. They thrived. They committed to the highest standards of the human race. The moral foundations of civilization grew out of the hell of Egypt. 49 days later, they ended up by Har Sinai, Mount Sinai. Taking the Jews out of Egypt in order to serve God, to receive the divine mandate, what it means to be the best possible human being. 
the blueprint of the Torah, bringing civilization to the world. That was what grew out of it. That's what has to happen now, in our own way. So Pesach, that's the first lesson. The second lesson, all the laws about Magaifa, about epidemics, are derived from that verse in Parsha's boy. Chapter 12, I believe, Pesach 22. After Moshe tells them what Hashem told him, we read it two weeks ago, that this is the month of redemption, renewal. And you will, on the 15th day of this month, you will leave this God-forsaken place called Mitzrayim, which of course we know is not just a physical redemption, it's a spiritual one. The Maram of Prague says that after that, the Jews assumed a personality of freedom, of emancipation, of individuality, that no longer can they, will they ever be a servant to a servant. You're my servant, you're God's servant, you're not a servant to a servant. No longer will they worship human beings and man-made devices and institutions. As Mordechai demonstrated in the story of Purim, he would not bow. On the 15th of the month, but the night of the 15th, you shall bring a Paschal lamb, a Korban Pesach. And you should know that outside there will be an epidemic, a pandemic. And in Bayez Belaymes that night, there was no home without a death among the Egyptians because this was the last of the ten plagues of the firstborn, Makas Pcheres, which finally broke their back. The Egyptians were like Nazis, refused to let the Jewish people go even though they tortured them, killed them, enslaved them for 200, over 200, 210 years. The Gullahs, the depth of the Gullahs was less than that. Pavov, whatever this, this story with the Miriam, 86 years or whatever that number is. But it's, it, was a, it was a long time. So finally, Makas Pcheres, so Va'atem says Moshe Rabbeinu, Va'atem, Loiseitsu, Ish Mepesach Beise Ad Beiker, and you shall not leave this home. Pesach Beise, from the door of your home until the morning. Because there's an epidemic out there, as Rashi explains. And it's indiscriminate. You cannot go out there. God will protect you as long as you're here. But the Jews didn't cower in fear. They celebrated Pesach. They knew the next day, Baker, after the morning, they're marching out of this place. The Geula, Geula Smitzrayim, Yitzhiyah Smitzrayim. An event that we remember every day and we commemorate and recreate for thousands of years, till today. Not just on Pesach, throughout the year. So the Gemara in Baba Kama, Samach Da'a, Samach Hamid Beis. Is it Samach Hamid Beis or Samach Hamid Aleph? Samach Hamid Beis. Yeah, 60B. Talks about and learns from this Pesach what we're supposed to do in a time of a devil of a plague, an epidemic. They have to sequester yourself in your home. The Ramah explains from the Mariel in Yeridea, we talked about it last week, one Yeridea, Kufta Zayin, that the beginning, if you can, leave the city. But if you can't, you have to quarantine yourself. And the Gemara brings three psukim. This posik in Pasha Boy, then another posik from Mishle that talks about that you should remain in the home till over Hazam, till this, uh, this, uh, the, the, the plague ends. And the Gemara says, what do you need the second Pasuk? It says, to tell us, not just by night, 
also by day, because from the posik in boy you could say by night. And then comes a third posik from uh, Dvorim, Sefer Dvorim, that says, because you could think, as long as there's fear, charoda, and trembling at home, that you're afraid. But uh, let's say you don't feel that way. So maybe you can go outside to connect with other people. So it says no. Even if that's the case, outside is not the place to go, because there it's the worst. In the home, there may be also, you know what's happening, so there's some fear, as Rashi explains. And from there we derive this halacha of how we're supposed to behave. Mamish what we're being told right now. So it's not just we're talking about an epidemic from heaven. I mean, everything is from heaven. But even a virus like this, because it has also the contagious elements. The Alter Rebbe, in Hilcha Shemir's Guvenefesh and Bal Tashchis, Sif, and is this, uh, remember we don't have all the Alter Rebbe, but we do have this part. And he brings the Gemara, and brings in Sif Yud Gimel, and he says exactly this. And I'll just read the relevant lines. The beginning of a plague, you have to run away from the city. And if you didn't run, that's, what the, that's from the Maril and the Ramah. If you didn't run away in the beginning, you shouldn't run away at the end. You should hide yourself in concealed way. You should quarantine yourself, basically. You shouldn't be seen in the street. Because of the destructive forces. I'm not here to talk the halacha. To see how Pesach teaches us about the plague and how you're supposed to sequester yourself, to quarantine yourself. But not because we're afraid, because that's what the wants. And right now there's a time, it's a time of retribution. In the homes, celebrate. Strengthen your relationship with your spouse, with your children, with your siblings. Find ways to connect to others the way the doctors and the rabbis are telling us to do. Not begashmis. Reach out, technology, and so on. So interestingly, in the notes on the side, in the gloss, brings a zoyar. Of all parshas, which parsha? Last week, parsha vayakel. Here we go, vayakel again. All these parshas, siso vayakel. What does he say in Zoyer Vayakil? Aleph, 197a. He says there, he talks about Noyach. says that you, Noyach, you should basically, you and your family should go into the Teva. Noyach will basically. Ask the Zayar, the Abish had no other way to protect Noyach. He couldn't, let's say, send them to another place in the world where they were, or as Yisrael where the marble didn't fall, according to the way the Zayar, many opinions, the Zayar brings that. So it says, no, that's not the point. The point is because anything outside is a sakana now. You have to be sequestered in a teva. And, the, and, and this, they take in that, I guess the Loshan, Yahbi Atzma Mistarim, is based on, Lajivra Basef Eli Yahbi Atzma Mistarim is based on that Zoyar. So an interesting, interesting. So even though it's Pasha Vayakal, you talk about gathering. But there's a time the gathering has to be beruchnis. Clear halacha. What does it teach us, however, in our spiritual sense of the word? This is how Pesach was born. It was born from a calamity. It was born from a catastrophe, an epidemic that night. 
However, you follow what God says, and you stay at home, that brings redemption and geula. Now, for in our case, like the Gemara says, it may not be babaykad one morning. No, it's not just for a night. It could be more than one night. But at the end, there'll be geula from this epidemic, and geula bechlal from Golos. That is an ev- def- definite, just as it was, ki and we're going into Pesach. This is an opportunity to celebrate Pesach in a way we never did before. We all had our plans. There have been big family celebrations. Now it's a time to do it in a new creative way. Same Pesach. But you can turn Pesach into a journey, exactly what we're experiencing. Pesach now, when we say, person is responsible to see as if he left Mitzrayim, what do you need more? This plague and this epidemic, this pandemic, is a replay, not just commemorating. It's literally a replay of what happened then, in a different way. And hopefully with less consequences. But the approach, how to understand, there's a time, there's like he says in Kehelas, there's a time to speak, there's a time to be quiet, there's a time to congregate, there's a time to be sequestered. This is what the Ebershta wants of us now. And Pesach and Mitzrayim, Yitzis Mitzrayim, this Seder, we can talk about it and relive it and say, what lessons do we learn from what happened 3,332 years ago for our times today? And what's the end of the story? Every generation we have different challenges. But Amuna, our faith, the promise of, the promise of God, will prevail. So you have the whole Pesach story that you can tell to your children and yourself and anyone we're in contact with how to experience what we're experiencing now, both to be prudent and practical, stay at home, but also how to become a greater person and not allow this to in any way impact us psychologically, to demoralize us. On the contrary, empowers us to rise and be even more neshamadik, and more spiritual, and more yitzis mitzrayimdik. And what's mitzrayim at the end? Mitzrayim means limitations, constraints, fears, inhibitions. Every feeling people are describing today is in one word, mitzrayim. And what's yitzis mitzrayim? Redeeming ourselves from that, transcending it, getting beyond it. So you have the whole story of Pesach, of Pesach and mitzrayim, mamish, perhaps in a way that was never given to us in such clear fashion. And not just as a story we reliving Pesach and doing the mitzvah. What will it do for us, for our psyches, for our souls, for our consciousness? Could be tremendous. Pesach can be literally God sent. Magdim Raful Lamaka. Well, I don't know if that's the case exactly in this case. But Arufua, Begashmis and Baruchnis in the deepest possible way. And with that, I want to read to you what's settled from the Rebbe. Hapskoch just came into my inbox. This is Pasha Shmi, the Rebbe is writing to someone who seemed to be in a bad mood. So the Rebbe writes, Benigayla Matzav Rucha. I can show you the page. Here's the page. I don't know if you can see it on the video. But if you want a copy of it, just go to chsidasupply.com, go to the forum where you can submit anonymous questions, and give us your email address. I'll be happy to send you this settler, and I'm going to read another settler in a minute. Benigayla Matzav Rucha. Listen to this. Regarding Matzav Rucha, her mood, had a Nisan, Nisan, the month of Nisan, the month of redemption, but everything that's an impediment to freedom, 
Vavedas Hashem besimcha, and serving God with joy. That's what Nisan is. How more apropos is such an answer for now? Second settle. Could also put it up. It's a second settle from the Rebbe Xaviat Koche. And the Rebbe writes. When a new, God forbid, illness or disease affects the body, an illness of the body, an illness that did not exist in the previous generation, it compels, it must, we must have a new healing. Allah has come, the Kama says the Rebbe, even more so, in a cheli nefesh in the illness of the spirit. There needs to be lafosha. Lafosha is the chadish to immerse ourselves with passion and learning and innovation. Lafosha, chidush in teira. Because there's a chidush in the cheli. So even if there is no new illness, a new challenge, a spiritual one, the lavochi must be that way, according to the Zayr and, and Nigla as well, that a person lafosha should be mechadish in teda. This is very much similar to what the Rebbe said, Yud Aleph Nisan Tov Shemem Beis, which I quoted a number of times, a new machla that was never there, we have to find people can heal it and provide the healing, and beginning with teda meviyah refu le'elam. So two tzetlach, if you want a copy again, go to mchsidasupply.com, Give us your email address. I'll be happy to send it to you. Okay. So, the next question that was asked, should we be doing things differently because of the situation? So let me read the full question. Now that everything has turned upside down and everything is so different in life, is our Aveda the same as before? Is our work the same as our Aveda the same as before? Are we supposed to do all we were doing before just now virtually and with social distancing? Should I be teaching my class as, as if it's temporary and we'll be going back to school or have a different goal? Should we be focusing on something else? Very good question. And the answer is both. Obviously, everything that we've been doing, positive things, teaching, learning, mitzvahs, Everything has to be done. What do you mean? There's a teira. The aspects that we're being told, I'll be teira, to stay home and not go to shul. Not make events. Simcha should be very minimal. And all that, that's also teira. So there, there's a shift because the teira, according to the situation in the world, in the world, we have to now adjust to that. But everything that we don't, that, but learning goes on, all the, the, the shiurim, everything we have to still do, we have to now do it, and whatever, we have to adjust towards it. Fine. But then there's another side. According to the Rambam and the Rebbe's emphasis all the time, no, to just do everything as business as usual is not responding to the moment. This challenge, we have to rise and say, you know what, this challenge, we have to do new things. The virtual learning is a good replacement to some extent, but there's something more that it has. It can create more learning, it can create connection with more people. I myself have connected to more people in the last three weeks online than I ever have. So we have to increase. And yes, when we see something happening in the world, we have to be more introspective, more soulful, looking for, to find more good ways to add in love and kindness and goodness and courage and strength and so on. 
That's how we have to see. So disruption has to be a disruption that leads us to a shift. Just to make the point, drive the point home, shift doesn't mean you suddenly have to change the whole world. The Alter Rebbe in that powerful chapter says, what's Aveda? Doing something out of your comfort zone. If you, in the time of the Gemara, they learned the Gemara says Menachas. A hundred times they reviewed the same piece. It sounds like a lot. But then it was the custom. It was the routine. The habit. It's not Aveda. Lo One hundred and one time. That one time, he says, is Eila is ways, out of, out ways all the hundred. But you can't get to the hundred and one without the hundred, obviously. Because it's a shift. It's a hazoza. We have to have a hazoza. When you see a world that's disrupted in a negative way, we need to disrupt ourselves in a positive way. The Rebbe says that you learn, if you learned one daf, you have to learn now two daf. That's what tshuva is. You double, you triple, you add. So the disruption has to be getting out of our comfort zone, out of our habits, out of our parents, par- patterns, out of our routines. And that's how they, and that hazoza changes worlds because it's yours. It's your shift. It may not be a shift for me, but it's your shift. When we say, with all your heart, it says, it has to be your heart, your spirit. And then, with all your might, with all your all. Your may be different than mine. It has to be more than what you did yesterday, more than your comfort zone. If your extra is my comfort zone, it's not good enough for me, or vice versa. So and when you do your ma'id, you go out of your comfort zone, a shift, then there's the ma'id amiti. God creates a shift from above. That's what's required today. Okay. Next question. Let's talk about shuva bringing healing, since we talked about teda. Can you please give a brief summary of some of the Maimarim that say great is tshuva, g'dayla tshuva, because it brings a healing to the world. G'dayla tshuva shemei So besides teda mei it also says it about tshuva. The Friedrich Rebbe quotes one of these sayings in the Maimar, Shuva Yisrael Adavayla Kecha in Sefer Maimarim Kuntresim Chelek Aleph, Volume 1, and says just like there can be physical illnesses, there can also be spiritual illnesses, etc. Exactly. So I explained in the previous weeks why Teda Meveru Fulaylam? The Rebbe explains it actually in Sikhis. Because Teda stackled by Raisa Bara Alma. The Rebbe, the Hebrews, looked into Teda as a blueprint and he created the world. So, any problem in the world, where do you go? To the operator's manual. Where does a doctor go to to find healing for a problem? He goes to the operator's manual or what makes a human being tick, the medical journals and so on. We have Teda, God's operator's manual, meaning God himself, the creator. So, the Teda is the obvious place to go. Now when you learn it, you have a headache. Someone has a foot problem. You learn the Tater because every part of the body corresponds to a part of the Tater. And the Rebbe explains, Tzadikim who knew how to learn, they knew which part of the Tater corresponded. We don't know, so we have to learn everything. But the concept is clear. Tater goes to the root of creation. So when there's a misalignment in any physical way, create a spiritual alignment, and automatically will also help in a physical way. This is not a contradiction, because the Abishta also said, go to a doctor. It's hand in hand. Because the Abishta wants to work through nature, through the laws that he himself created that govern the universe. 
coupled with the Ruchni Zdika. So Chassidus talks about Chele HaGuf and Chele HaNefesh, the Rambam, it's based on the Rambam. So healing, what about Tshuva? How does Tshuva bring healing? Because Tshuva has also that same element. What's the opposite of Tshuva? A person, God forbid, does an Aveda, a Chet. So Chet Tzadah brought death to the world. It brought disease that would ultimately bring death. Why? Because it misaligned. When you're aligned, a mitzvah is from the word connection. Aveda is from the word dislocation. So when you're aligned, that's called health. When a human being is beruchnius and begashmi is aligned to what God wants, Adam and Chava listening to Hashem, so the health, you're attached to the source of life, to the energy source, the power source, so of course that brings you health. But as soon as you misalign, and they went off on their own, they're going to eat from the tree of knowledge they were told not to eat. It's not a small matter. They're severing themselves to some extent, disconnecting, moving away, misaligning themselves from their source. So what do you think is the next step? Oh, now your body has gone off on its own. The body is no longer aligned with the neshama, so there's going to be misalignments. This is called the root of illness. Shuva corrects that. Shuva, what does Shuva mean? Not repentance, return. You're returning the person back to health. Every doctor will tell you, we don't heal. The body has natural immunity and has natural healing powers. We facilitate, because sometimes an infection, a disease, a virus, could attack the immune system to the point that the human being cannot access the natural healing power because it's been over, overwhelmed. So what doctors do, they either accentuate the process, they expedite the process, they get rid of the infection, they fight the infection, or they strengthen the immune system, all the different methods. But it's returning back Libriose, chesed libriose is the expression. You return to the ultimate optimal health. In Ruchnikas Dikat terms, when Adam and Chava and then the following generations sinned, what does it say? The Shekhinah slowly separated, got concealed. We learn in Bosiligani, Shira Shirim Rabba. It was below. And with every sin, it got disconnected. What did Avram Avinu do? He began to reverse the process. He brought healing to the world. He returned the Shekhinah to, to Rekiah Shishi, then Rekiah Hamishi, until Moshe, Deirashvi, seventh generation, brought it back down to earth and realigned it. And that's why it says by Matan Teda, Posko Zumasa, the toxins, that's the word Zuma, poison, Sam. The toxins that entered at Chet Etzadas, Posko, it ceased. Healing. Everybody was healed by Matan Teda, including Moshe, his speech issue. But then the Chet Egel reintroduced the toxins. And ever since, we've been trying to repair. So every disease and every illness is rooted in this approach and until it, it comes physical. Because the physical is evolved from the spiritual. So when we can go back to the root and heal at the root, it helps. But the Abish still, still said, I want you to heal it on every possible way. That's why you go to a doctor and you, and you take the right medicines or you have to uh, you have to watch yourself in one way or another eat the right things drink properly and so on it's not a contradiction so that's why tshuva may be the fool elam because tshuva brings healing back it's not a zgula or a a magic pill because tshuva realigns the world it returns it to its natural place exactly what health means realigning body and soul the flow every illness every disease is some impediment a blockage, God forbid, in an artery, 
a disease, an infection that doesn't allow the body to fully function properly. Health is about seamlessness, the seamless unity between body and soul, that the entire body is aligned with the soul's energy. That means every part of the body is aligned. Sefer Chredim, a sefer that explains how every mitzvah, the mitzvahs, how each mitzvah corresponds to which limb or organ in the body. So Ramach Evorim, Ramach Shasagidim correspond to the 248 limbs, to the 248 positive mitzvahs. And 365 negative mitzvahs correspond to the Shasagidim. The sinews, the veins, the nerves, however you translate Gidim in the body. And that's La'ovda L'shamra. Oda Mechava were told La'ovda to serve, that's the 348 positive. L'shamra, to protect and avoid and refrain from the 365 negative. That's a healthy aligned being. That will be when Mashiach comes. That was the way it was before Chetet Sadas. And the rest is history. And we are now in the process of trying to heal of another misalignment. Okay. Next question. So suggestions to annul the decree. It says, Tshuva Tefillah and Zdokah can annul bad decrees. Yes, we say that there are Shoshani Yom Kippur and Nusana Tekev. Tshuva Tefillah and Zdokah is Mavirnes Agzeda, Mavatlimis Agzeda, the different Lashenis. So Tshuva I just explained. Tefillah is another form, of course, Mispal. We bind ourselves with Hashem and Zdokah. Tatzel Memovis. Charity saves from death. Because the Medr says why? Because when you give somebody money who needs it, an oni choshev kemes, an oni a pauper is like compared to a dead person. They're emotionally dead. They're financially destitute. So when you reinvigorate somebody, whether it's with financially or another way, God reinvigorates you. So every mitzvah has that zgula. Tshuva and Teireh particularly, and, and Teireh and Tfilah and Zdokah. So for sure those things, and we talked about it last week from the Tzemach Tzedek's letter, letters to the communities, what to be done, he included Zdokah, and of course Tfilah and Teireh, and other things that we discussed then. Can you please make some suggestions that we individually and as a community can do to stop the coronavirus? Thank you. So we've already mentioned some of them, I also mentioned the Zgula that the Alter Rebbe we bring from, from Ketedis, learning Parshas Ketedis. So I want to give a little more information on that because a few of you asked me about that. The Alter Rebbe is not the first. Remember, Ketedis begins to destroy the Magefa, the epidemic in the Parshas Kerach. That's where it originates from. But there's a Zayar. We spoke about the Zayar, Dav Kufalov. I believe it was in uh, um, Dav Kufalov, which um, uh, Zayar Achrei. Or, uh, or, or Vayakel, I'm not positive, I don't have to look it up. I discussed it last week, the Tzemach Tzedek brings it in the letter, but I also now looked a little deeper into it, and I see from that Izal, there's a whole, oh actually, I'll tell you where right away, the Zayir Davku Falif is in Vayero, Breshis, I'm sorry. There's a Migdash Melech on the Zayar, and he brings from the Ramaz, Ramosh Zakuto, he says, Zelosheni, Nira, because there's a whole story from Bnei Kfar Tarsha. They were Chachomim and how they made a whole plot, a whole way, a method to get rid of an epidemic through people separating in the city, spreading themselves out and saying, learning Ketedus. So he discusses at length, so he says from the Sefer HaKavonis, from that Izal, it says, 
A magefa, an epidemic comes when there's waste, toxins, inside the birurim. Because remember, birurim is due to the, after the chetet sadas, everything got mixed together. Like a snowball effect of good and bad. And negative. What's a birur? You separate. You separate. It's like separating the waste from the nutrients. And the waste you expel, and the nutrients you process and you absorb. The same thing as the chaff from the, from the wheat. And so on. So uh, the same thing by, by wine, the fermentation of wine is also through that, getting rid of the, 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 the dregs and retaining the, the good, the, the, the wine. So there's always a process of birurim, separation. But in birurim you can have waste that's mixed into it. It says a magefer comes from that waste. She has pseles betecha birurim. Shaloi huvruru vihi hamoves hamemis laodem bemagefer. So it wasn't refined yet, so there's still toxins. When there's toxins, they have the potential, God forbid, to kill. And he goes on to explain it. This is in Ramaz, Mikdash Melech, Ramaz, in Dav Kuf Aleph, Omid Aleph, Medrash 101a in Zehar. So now I looked it up in Darizal. Darizal is fascinating. I'll say the word fascinating in this time. In Drush, in Shara Kavonis, Drush Eitfilis Hashachar, Drush Gimel, the third Drush, the third section, he talks at length here of zgulas that he gave to the Chaim Vital, received from the Arizal when the time of Magefa. And he talks about Kteris, because that's what Kteris do. The 11 Samamaniac Kteris, the 11 spices. What's the 11? Is the Klippa. 10 is a perfect, healthy situation. The 11th is an extra Makiv that in, could be in the negative. And the Kteris is a tikkun to get rid of that extra toxin. And he discusses this at length. And he says, I heard from my teacher, Lezmana Magefa. He says, All the, all the souls of human beings, All the souls came from what refinement, from the separation from the seven kings that died, which is Toyu. We learn about the seven kings at the end of Pasha Vayishlach. There's the progeny of Esau. It's referring Vayimlach Vayomos. That death of Shvidas HaKelim, the shattering of containers, is a spiritual form of death. All Neshamas come from there. He says, that's why it says, Kol Yisrael Bnei Melochim We're the children of the Melochim. Which Melochim? Those Melochim. Because we live in a world that's filled with toxins. So we come from the fallout of those, the, the, the wreckage, you can say, the shattering of the containers in Toyu. That's the Lashon that Ramaz quotes. And when within these refinements and these separations, you know, when you separate, you don't always get rid of all the toxins. There's still some psalas that were not refined. This waste becomes toxic. And samhamovis, poisonous. The poison, the, 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 the poisonous death. Killing point. That can kill a person during an epidemic. That's the Dever is an epidemic. Listen to this now. I'm going to read this and I'll translate it. 
What's the Indian of this? Those clippers, those husks, meaning like, like um, shells. So when they're protecting the fruit, it's great. But if they get mixed with the fruit, they can become toxic. He says those clippers that are now in the Birurim, like we mentioned, they strike and affect, infect a person during the time of an epidemic. And after it strikes him, they get attached. I mean, it's literally like the word of a virus. They don't just attack a toxin, they get attached. They don't separate from him. And they're constantly attached to him. And they surround him in all directions. A number of amis around him. You hear? That you can't be around this person because it's also the contagious is also affecting not just his physical body, his whole, his aura, his environment. And moreover, even in that shchuna, in that neighborhood, where the person who was struck was infected by the by the by the illness, or even a vessel, a container, or a garment of his. You have to distance yourself from it. And anyone that goes and, and touches it or gets connected or attached to it, they become attached to these clippers, that above-mentioned clippers, husks. And can be hurt. And this is the reason. By the other illnesses and makas and plagues, in Pasha Kisove, he doesn't say the word Yidbak, attached itself. Like he said, the Posuk. Yidbak Hashem Bechoes Hadever. Kamoi Be'inin Hadever Ramagefe. By Dever Ramagefe, by an epidemic or pandemic and a plague, it does say Yidbak. Lefisha Beshara Chelayim, because in other illnesses, Eina Klipa Hem Mizdapkim Sham. The Klipa, the host, doesn't get attached. It's there, but it doesn't get attacked. However, by the amaka, by an epidemic, by a, a, a plague or an epidemic, that comes from the clippers, the husks of the birurim that got stuck, that you still have the waste in there. The psalas, they get attached. And his garments, and his neighborhood, and all his containers. And then he goes on to explain how Ketiris is a ticket for this. I mean, you read this. This is Kisri Arizal, Shara Kavonis, from the Shemena Sha'arim. Drushit Filos HaShachet, Drush Gimel. Now when we learn something, this is not meant to frighten when we learn that Rebbe said a number of times, when you learn in Chesidus and Kabbalah about Klippus, you're actually Mavada the Klippus, because you're learning in Teira. Kola Esek B'Teira Se'ela is the Teira of it, and the Teira is always a healthy part. It's like it's sucking out from the root these toxins. That's what you want to do. All antibiotics, uh, homeopathy, is all about What happens? How do you build immunity? You build immunity because the disease and the illness has attacked. Your body begins to fight. As it builds its antibodies, it becomes a stronger body and then becomes immune to that disease. If you can bottle that into a formula, that becomes an antibiotic. The disease itself destroys the disease. The wood of the tree is what cuts down the tree. 
And homeopathy is also based on that. You concentrate a part. You have to know how to balance. You concentrate the healing, the, the, the disease in a way that you could turn it into a healing factor. So the best way to heal a disease is taking the disease and let it turn on itself. So we learn in Taylor about these things. That's what it helps us do. Okay. That's a Shara Kavonis. There's plenty more to do. Plenty more to cover. Um, let me see. We, time is limited. So let me just do a few more. And there's always uh, these issues continue to be relevant. Okay. Let's talk about a moment about someone wrote about Crown Heights. Dear Rabbi Jacob Simashpia, Almond is Stimin, Valais Galin, Almond is Galin. Very nice. The Kronites community has gotten hit hard by the Wuhan flu, okay, otherwise known as the coronavirus. While many other communities, including those in Israel, were hunkering down and socially distancing, our community is partying it up and passing the Kung flu around from one to another with disastrous results. What lessons should our community learn from this disaster? First of all, it's not a time to talk not b'shvachem shal Yisrael. I read it because you wrote it, and there's some people have this thought. I don't even know. I think this is somewhat exaggerated. Yes, not everyone took it seriously. I remember Purim. We didn't really understand the, the gravity of it. Once we did, anyone that behaved recklessly is Achman al-Islan. But I don't know if it's Kronites. I hear in Borough Park and Williamsburg and many communities and Kiryat Yol that, God forbid, including in Israel, that still are not fully taken this seriously. So let's not talk against. And even if it's the case, I don't mind here to talk about especially when now we need brachas and tefillahs and yeshuas for everybody. And we're not going to stop pointing fingers. It's true, people got exposed, people were not careful. Hopefully everybody has learned their lesson. The lesson what you learn is, we follow Teda, follow halacha, follow what the Teda says to listen to doctors we just, I just read straight from Kisve Arizal and Kabbalah, I read from the Alter Rebbe Shulchan Aruch, the Gemara and Baba Kama, we a tater for these things. We don't do what we want. People talk, someone writes to me about, what they, can't, they want to bench Birch HaSagemo, what should they do? Same thing with an Aliyah. Right now the tater says, you don't have a minion. A minion is midar, the Rabbon, it's not midar Aisif. Even if it's Yom Kippur, and you're eating something, the Araisa, Sheretz Minar, the Araisa, Osur, it's a mitzvah to do it because pekorach nefesh. The Abishta, same Abishta told you to do this, told you to do that. So what is this? We, we run the show here. It's about our comfort zone, about what you want to do. One day you'll be able to make birchas HaGemel. You'll make it. Maybe it'll be over Zmane. You won't need to make it. The Rebbe, how many times does the Rebbe say, why don't we say Tachnun HaShabbos or Yontif? Or Chedesh Nisan. Because Tachnun is a negative. But you can't be depriving anyone from what Tachnun accomplishes. The Rebbe says, it means Shabbos, Yontav, Nisan, other times, accomplishes what Tachnun would accomplish. We are now accomplishing everything through what the Ebrister says we should do, which is to be quarantined and follow halachas and follow what the doctors say. So I'm not going to go justify, I'm not going to explain. The lesson learned is, be a teri'i. Don't be, do what you want, do what the teri'i says, even if you don't like it. Simple as that. That's the first lesson. The second lesson, now that we're in this situation, the Rebbe would always say, if someone made a mistake, now you have to double and triple. The Rebbe would tell people, someone said they, one time they didn't eat kosher, now make sure you eat more kosher than you've ever, meaning be more careful than ever, and be mashpia on others who don't eat kosher to start eating kosher. That's what we have to be. If there was any situation or community was less careful, now we have to be double, triple careful, and do even more avasis and caring for people, and helping people, and doing everything possible, like I said, to rise to the occasion. 
That's what we do. We learn from it, even if there was a mistake. Someone asked me the question about Tevlim Kalim. I'll mention it. I'm not a Pesach. But being that mikvahs are closed due to the coronavirus under these ex- exigent circumstances, are we permitted to use the new Kalim we bought for Pesach without Tevlim them first? So I asked Arov, and he told me very straightforward. Within 20-minute walk, you can find the water, an ocean, and you can table there, even if the mikvah is closed. So there's a simple way, work around, a way a work around, a work around for that. I want to conclude with a letter. Well, there's more to say. Let me just see what else I want to address. You know what, before I get to the letter, I want to just... Uh, does it say somewhere in Tata that when a plague breaks out, we should blow the shafer? Perhaps as a reminder to do tshuva. I've not seen that. It may be. We speak chatzetzes. There's definitely the call, a wake-up call. Lav dafke with actually blowing shefer. A wake-up call. That's the whole point of what Uri Yishen Metir Damaschem, to wake us up to our reality, and that's what we have to do. So that answers that. Okay, so there's a few comments that came in that were not direct questions, and uh, I felt I should read it. Someone asked the question, is it appropriate is it, is it inappropriate to share funny corona mem- mem- memes on social media? Of course, these are not being shared to make fun of those who are suffering, but rather to help make everyone stuck at home laugh and cheer up. Look, I think it's case by case. I think in general you have to be extremely sensitive because there are people suffering, families who have family members suffering. But having a little humor from here and there that's not uh, off-color and that's not inappropriate and insensitive, I mean, this is a divinated shoes, so you have to make a decision like any joke. But I'd be especially careful. I've seen some things that are inappropriate and also if the wrong person sees it, it's very offensive. So I think we need to be careful, extra careful. But at the same time, there's nothing wrong to having a certain light attitude, but never has Rishalm in a way that lowers our guard and doesn't follow Teda and Allah. To strengthen us. Like a Milsa de Bdichasa, when I said, Rabbi said a Milsa de Bdichasa, a joke in the beginning of his teaching was to open their hearts so they should understand and learn better. So that has to be the intention, not a joke, a frivolous joke for the name, just, for, just to get a laugh. To be with some deeper purpose and taken would be my answer to that. Okay. There have been debates in the community if the community should have a fast day as part of the communal tshuva for God to stop the plague. In this, I defer to Rabbanim. You have to go to your Rav, the Rav of the community, the Rav that you trust, and ask that question. On one hand, the Dosh say in that they actually absor- they eliminated fast days when there was a Magefa because it could weaken the person. Some people say a little fast, if you could, can help. Is it a tikkun? This is case by case, and I would follow Rabbanim. I'm not going to go intervene into halachic matter like that. There is a, an argument to be made each way. Most will be machmir, which means better not to fast, because what do you need to put yourself in any given chance when there's even a sophic sophic risk? You don't know what you have, what you don't have, and fasting can always not always be healthy to do, especially in a time of a magif. But um, this should be addressed to a halachic expert, Tarov. Okay. How do we see the light? How can, we become, how can we become confident and happy when the virus is spreading, is, uh, is spreading is only getting worse? So to speak, how do we see the light in this, what seems deep, deep, deep and bitter darkness? Thank you. Another person wrote, seeing good in the negative. Chav Zayin Adar, which was last week, 
It can't be a mere coincidence that exactly two years later, on the same day, the Rebbe had another stroke. The Rebbe had a stroke of Zainod in Nunbeis, 1992, and then 1994, a second stroke on the same day. This is definitely a bad luck day, but Rabbi Jacobson, is it not true that everything bad in the world has an equal or better counterpart of good? Hopefully good, God also has good things planned for this day. As we are taught the Messianic times, Tisha B'Av will be a celebratory day. Can we also say this about the coronavirus, that ultimately something good will come out of it? Thank you, I really enjoy listening to your weekly share. It really helps me focus on what's truly important. So there's no question. I just was hearing a, a clip from the Rebbe of Fabrengen. He says, if something happens in the world, it's impossible that it should be just bad. From God's, from the voice, from the God's mouth above can never come out evil. So everything has to lead to something positive. Even for the moment, it's a concealment. Or even something negative, it has to lead. So that's not even a question. We still fight and argue with God that we shouldn't even have that moment that we have to be quarantined, or that moment of, of concern. But everything is going to lead to the good, not even a question. It may not be there yet. The spiral staircase of the Baal Shem Tov. You turn, and to reach to the top, you have to turn your back, and you may think you're not even near the destination when you're right there, and your back is turned to the, at the pinnacle. So there's no question. You learn chassidus, you learn how to see light and dark. First of all, you realize everything is for a better purpose. Second of all, even if we don't understand it, we, we rise to the occasion to become better people, as I mentioned. You can control your attitude. And we don't know what God's plan is. And finally, we learn that within every negative, there's always a positive dimension. There are lessons to be learned from a virus that can be positive lessons. There's lessons to be learned from quarantining that can be positive, even though there's a negative element. This is ultimately what we do. We transform. That's how we transform. Mishapcha. So you may not be completely transformed, but that's the attitude. The more you learn chassidus, the more you learn methods, how to do that, how to look at it that way, and how to actually transform a negative. At the end of the day, you can take a virus, a, a, a terrible virus, and if you're able to turn it into antibodies, it can become a healer that will eliminate that virus forever. Smallpox, polio, and others have been destroyed completely by doing exactly that. But there's early stages that sometimes you don't yet see the cure in that say. But the Magdim Rafur Lamaka, the Abishta did not create anything that does not have a heal, a healing element. Everything can be healed and will heal. Just a matter of time and a matter of what work we need to do to get there. Okay. So there were many comments that came in. Let me just see if I've covered everything I wanted to cover. People are asking a lot about Mashiach. I want to reserve that. Maybe I'll discuss that next week. And the connection. I just want to say this. To go look for the Muslim for everything is Mashiach. There's the Muslim for everything. When the economy is good, it's a simon of matanim, mitzuim, ka'ofar. Pleasures, delights will be all over. When the economy is bad, sudden kiss, there's, there's gemaras that talk about that being a sign of Mashiach. When things are good, there's a sign. When things are not so good, when there's a war, it's a sign. When there's no war, there's a sign. To start looking for Midrashim and fill every simon and sign that ever happens is not our way of doing things. The things that Rebbe said about, let's say, during Melech Poras, the Gulf War, direct things that Rebbe said, Hoi Yitoka B'Shefer, Hoi Yitoka Yitoka B'Shefer Godel, in Tov Shechov Zayin, 67, 68, after the Six-Day War. That's the Rebbe. 
We have to be careful not to do that. At the same time, we're absolutely sure nothing has changed, Mashiach is coming. And our challenge now is not whether we see the virus as a sign, will we rise to the occasion and use the situation to do everything possible to bring the ghoul? That's the way we should look at it. And we'll talk about this some more. Let me just conclude with two notes, which one is extremely inspiring, the other one I found brought a smile to my face. So why not share that? Dear Rabbi Jacobson, (laughs) please take this humorously because it's not meant seriously. I'm a local apicatus that enjoys listening to your Sunday night broadcast. You have really stepped it up during this crisis. I just want to say thank you. From Kanakin Semichkes, the Friedrich Rebbe said, Vetmanish Kanapikatis. From cracking sunflower seeds, you don't become an Apikatis. Meaning, from, you have to earn that title. But I, I, I get the humor. The local Apikatis, thank you. I don't know who you are, so we'll keep it at that. And let me read now this note. This actually is a note that came from the first place winner of last year's contest. We've not forgotten the contest. It's just circumstances now, of course, are putting things in priority, and we'll talk about them. So anyone has written all your essays, they're saved, they haven't gone anywhere, they've not been quarantined, and we will look at them and we'll hear more about it in the, in the near future. So the winner of last year wrote these words, Dear Rabbi Jacobson, thank you so very much for the inspiring content you are putting out through this time. I wrote something this morning, I want to share it with you. This morning as I awoke, I took in the fact that it has been five years to the day since my divorce. I also took in the fact that not only did I survive past that difficult time of my life, I have thrived. I thanked God for giving me another new day, washed my hands, fed the cats, opened the windows, and let the sun shine in. I stepped outside with my coffee to drink it in the garden. The streets are silent, and the song of birdsong fills the bright blue sky. A robin flies from tree to tree, a squirrel runs along the phone line. A neighbor's dog barks, but the, st- but the streets are quiet except for a siren. People are staying home. A pair of cardinals and a woodpecker are frequenting the bird feeder. A friend suggested I leave milk for a fluffy stray ca- gray cat, and she found it. I love the marvelous wild. I think right now people are chewing their food more slowly. There is nowhere to rush to right, to right, there's nowhere to rush to right now. People are resting more. Children are reading more books and hearing more bedtime stories. Mothers are mothering, fathers are fathering, and there's more cuddling. Prayers are being said from hearts at home rather than places of worship. People are meditating, are mediating, or meditating on the essence of their lives. All creative talents are being amplified. Cooks are cooking, painters are painting, writers are writing, musicians are making music, gardeners are in their gardens. Stores are closed, but nature is open. The tulips, daffodils, and hyacinths, hope I pronounced that right, are emerging from their winter slumber. People are walking their dogs and feeding the birds. People are connecting with neighbors from their homes, singing from balconies in Italy, and playing piano and sax from balconies in Barcelona. Cherry, peach, and plum trees are about to burst into blooms. The trees are about to leaf out in spring green. Sunrise and sunset will seem more vibrant than ever to those who are home with more time to notice them. We will reprioritize. Our collective thoughts will elevate. We will connect on a soul level as a global village, seeing the impact we, already, we all really have on one another. 
This time will pass and we will emerge more mindful and more grateful. We will become the guardians of this ball of beauty the way we are meant to be. We will heal, we will grow, we will produce nourishing food in our own backyards, we will reconnect with one another and with this beautiful garden we inhabit that is our mutual home. If this sounds overly optimistic, just plant a few seeds. As Audrey Hebron said, to plant a garden is to believe in tomorrow. I yell it. I thank you for that. I read it. Very touching and empowering. And with that, I want to conclude this special edition of My Life Chassidus Applied, episode 302. It should be truly a chedesh nisim of nisim nisim of miracles upon miracles. Healing to everyone, a full refuah shleim of a to everyone that needs healing. The least amount of aggravation. The rest of us should be protected. Be well. Follow the laws of God, both in nature and beyond, through the words of the doctors and our health professionals and our rabbonim, and keep your head up. This is a unique time. Our extraordinary vulnerability can allow us to achieve things we never could have achieved. This is the time to rise to the occasion. This is Simon Jacobson. We're here every Sunday, 8 to 9 p.m. My life is supplied. Call two of everybody. It should be a chedesh immediately, even before the next few days, so we can march into Pesach, to march into Yid Aleph Nissen, to Yid Gimel Nissen, to Pesach, to Gula Mitis Vashlema. This program is brought to you by My Life, Chassidus Applied. Please help us continue our programs. Make even a small contribution at chassidusapplied.com slash donate.